Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to Where to Go. I'm James Atkinson, Senior Brand Manager at DK Eyewitness. And I'm Lucy Richards, Senior Editor at DK Eyewitness. And welcome to Where to Go, where every fortnight we find out more about the world's favourite travel destinations with the people who know those places best. And Lucy, we're, we're doing a bit of a destination almost semi-close to your heart at the minute in terms yes. of... Um, I, I know you've talked about your best friend pops moving there yeah we're talking about bangkok have you ever been have you been yet no i haven't been the plan was to go at the end of this year but obviously i've been, uh, <laughs> uh, had the wonderful news i'm expecting a baby so unfortunately i won't be going to bangkok end of this year because i'll do it other fish to fry <laughs> but i really want to go at some point because yes but bff poppy's lived out there for two years and I get yes. to live vicariously through her. She's having this amazing life in, in Bangkok. Um, but I've yet to go. So I'm delighted. I know Poppy will be delighted that we're talking about Bangkok today. Yes, absolutely. It's it's only it's only a little delay, Lucy. You'll get there. I'm, exactly. I'm convinced you will. James, have you been to Bangkok? I have not, no. I think um, I mentioned when we spoke to Lucy about um, Chiang Mai earlier in, the, earlier in the year. Yeah, it was earlier in the year. I, I sort of talked about how I've always been like really into Thai food and had it as like on my bucket list and yet it is one of the places that I've never been to and I know it's like kind of firmly on the backpacker trail but I think there's a lot being said at the minute about the other side of life to Bangkok it being like one of the world's most visited cities it being this kind of like meeting point across the whole of South Asia and yeah it's somewhere that I've always kind of I don't know you hear so much about it and I really want to know what really goes on there so who do we have to tell us about it Lucy? Yes we have Dane Halpin director of PR and communications at Minor Hotels in Bangkok Australian born Dane Halpin moved to the Thai capital over 10 years ago and is now raising his family in the city welcome Dane. Hi thanks for having me. Hi Dane welcome to the podcast it's great to have you on where to go. As usual, we're going to begin with learning a little bit more about our guest, Dane, followed by his all-important recommendations of where to go at Insider Knowledge of Bangkok. And finally, we'll hear his advice for planning the perfect trip. So, Dane, what brought you to Bangkok and, and what made you stay? 
It's a good question. I think like a lot of expats who probably end up in, in Bangkok for quite a while, it, it kind of started off as a fairly short-term venture and has just kind of extended and extended and extended. But I guess a long story short, I mean, I, I basically moved to Southeast Asia straight out of university. Mm. So I studied journalism and I, I had a chance to do an internship in, in Laos, actually. So in Vientiane, the capital of Laos. Um, and so that was a one-month internship. And so I kind of finished that and I didn't really feel the urge to go home. And the opportunity kind of came up just to stay on there with a, it was just like a local newspaper in Vientiane. So I, I did that, stayed there for about a year, then met up with one of my best mates from back home. And we did a kind of a long bicycle trip from Bangkok up to Chengdu in China. Oh, wow. Which was about five or six months. And along the way, so up in the north of Thailand, I met uh, who is my, now my wife. So, yeah, so I guess a little bit of romance thrown in there as well. So when we finished the bicycle trip, I basically moved back to the to the north of Thailand, then moved down to the south of Thailand, eventually kind of ended up in Bangkok, mainly just for for work and and things like that. There's a few more opportunities in, in Bangkok. And yeah, 11 years later. Here I am. Oh, wow. Cool. So in terms of what made me stay, though, I mean, I think that's a, I don't know. I think that's a question I kind of still ask myself, to be honest, because it is, a, <laughs> I mean, it is a city, like, even now, I mean, I, I still have a massive love-hate relationship okay. with it. You know, when I think back to my first, my first few times kind of passing through, you know, way back at the beginning when I was still kind of in those backpacking days, um, I absolutely hated Bangkok. I mean, I would just... Oh, really? Yeah, I would, I'd really try and go out of my way to kind of avoid it. It was just, I don't know, it was a, you know, it's a, it's a very intense and overwhelming city in a lot of ways. And I don't know, I've always been the kind of person I, I just, I, I maybe prefer a little bit of respite and, and, and relaxation. So I would always kind of, you know, I'd pass through, but I, I'd never really hang around too long. But over time, I think once you start to understand it and, and kind of, you know, learn your way around, learn how to navigate it, you know, it's just, it's such a enormous beast of a city with, with so much to discover. Mm. And there is a, there's an energy to it that I think is just so addictive. Mm. Um, and that's, I don't know, I just, I, I've never felt that kind of energy somewhere else. And I think for better or worse, it's, it's never boring, put it that way. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I really appreciate your honesty there. I think I think that's maybe maybe even the first time we've had a guest who used to hate where they live. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe it wasn't the best way to start, but it's. Uh... <laughs> no, no, no. It's uh, but it's it's quite interesting. I th- I think there's there's lots of cities in the world that are quite daunting to lots of mm. like travelers, and actually. Bangkok is one of the biggest cities in the world. It's one of the most visited cities in the world as well. And actually, like, kind of finding your place there must have been quite tricky. Like, how did you find yourself, like, assimilating to the city when you actually moved there? I mean, you'll you'll hear it said about the city all the time, and it's true. It's a city of contrast, and I think that it really does apply to, to, like, every aspect of the city. And I think even in terms of settling in there and and assimilating it, it, you still feel that same contrast. It's, It's kind of overwhelming and daunting in a lot of ways but it's also very easy to kind of fit in 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 a lot of ways at the same time so Mm. you just got this constant kind of dichotomy Mm. it's one of the biggest cities in the world by populations it's it's about 15 million people which i was actually just looking it up before we spoke so it's it's in terms of population it's like a similar size to greater la wow but but then in terms of land area it's about 
9% the size of LA. So you've got that volume wow. of people really just kind of squeezed into a, a pretty small space at the end of the day, which, yeah, like I said, it, it can make things kind of overwhelming. But, you know, I don't know if you guys have spent much time here before, but, um, uh, you know, it's the, the, the people I think are, it almost sounds a bit of a cliche to say it, but, but they genuinely are incredibly welcoming. I think, you know, a lot of cities you can go to and as an outsider, it can be very difficult to actually scratch beneath the surface and, and kind yeah. of mm. interact with, with local people, people, you know, groups of friends get very clicky. It's very difficult to kind of break in. I think with Bangkok, it's it's quite the opposite. I mean, okay. you know, I think the expat community is is very open naturally because everyone's kind of has having that same experience. So everyone's mm. quite eager to just connect and, and welcome new people. The Thai people themselves are also kind of very open to just hanging out with random Australian people that are just kind of drifting <laughs> through the city. So that makes it that makes it easier too. I think on the kind of, you know, on the expat side, I think it, it can be difficult longer term because it's a very transient city for for expats. Mm. So, you know, people do come for a year or two on contract or whatever and then and then they move on. So kind of maintaining those long term groups of expat yeah. friends can well you know, it can be quite difficult. But, you know, fairly early on, again, you know, I was I was lucky, you know, my, my wife is, is Thai and, and she was she kind of grew up in Bangkok. So that that did certainly help to ease the transition. But then, you know, I well, I was, to be fair, I was pretty lazy for maybe the first year, but I did make a, a, a fairly decent effort to learn to read, speak and, and write Thai relatively early on. And I, I think that also helps immensely, obviously, in terms of just unlocking different parts of the city i mean it, it's the kind of place you don't necessarily need to do that lots of my friends who have been here 10 20 years they they still you know can't really say too much beyond you know hello and, and, and thank you and that's fine i mean you, you can get by but kind of the further you go out of the center of the city yeah. you know it just it becomes much more advantageous i think you can just form a much deeper connection with the city if you are able to obviously communicate with people funnily enough yeah just to finally kind of wrap up this section could you summarize what's your favorite thing about living in bangkok if you were to kind of like in a nutshell there's an energy to it that's it, it's just so visceral and it's so overwhelming at times there's always a kind of ex an excitement there's always something happening mm. but at the same time i mean you, you've got all these people and all this energy but it's still kind of weirdly laid back mm. there's again that kind of contrast that i was talking about before people aren't really you know in a hurry it's kind of everything about it is utterly unpretentious mm. you know from the food to the you know the nightlife it's there is that kind of just laid back quality to it that really a city of this size it feels like it has no right to, to be that yeah. laid back but it is that kind of laid back you know when i again when i go home you you kind of walk down george street in sydney or the kind of main street of sydney and you almost expect to see tumbleweeds you know rolling down the, the main street because it just feels so quiet you're just like where, like, where is everybody <laughs> but uh you know back like this is there's just always something going on yeah. and there's there's always something open there's always something to do it doesn't really matter you know what time it time it is i mean i think that is my favorite thing about it i mean it's, it's the reason why i haven't been able to get away for 11 years now cool i mean yeah so let's look forward to finding finding out some more of those things you, you touched <laughs> on quite a few good points there just now so let's find out a bit more about your favorite things to do Dane, to kick things off, we're going to ask you to give us a quick fire tour of Bangkok. We're going to name a few categories and you have to suggest just one thing, just one thing to do. So are you ready? 
Yes. So we're going to kick off with your favorite view. Okay. Well, I'm going to break your rule straight away because I've got kind of oh. two. <laughs> <laughs> Before James says anything, that's allowed, Dave. <laughs> okay, I suppose so. That's fine. That's all right. It's actually, I mean, it's kind of a difficult question in some ways. I think, I don't know, when, when I think of Bangkok, I don't think anyone would ever describe Bangkok as a beautiful city. Like, it's just, yeah. okay. it's just, it's just not. I mean, there's kind of, architecturally, it's, it's, typically it's quite utilitarian. So it's not, there's not a lot of architectural beauty. Heritage is not necessarily something that's, valued a lot culturally so again there's not a lot of heritage maybe left in the, there are parts mm. but it's not there's not a lot and even geographically like it's just flat for like a hundred kilometers in any direction so you know there's not that there's not that kind of physical beauty in, in the in the in the built environment at least okay but i mean if we're talking views i think you know it, it is when you zoom out there is beauty just in the sheer magnitude of what this city is. I mean, it is just, it is just vast and it's just, you know, concrete towers kind of almost as far as the eye can see, which, which kind of sounds mm-hmm. awful. And, you know, in, in some ways it, it maybe is. But again, when you, when you step back and, and view it in its entirety, there's just something that's, that's kind of awe-inspiring about it. Yeah. And so, you know, when the, I think, you know, ultimately the best places to take that in, again, it'd be from a rooftop where you kind of have that, that vista. And so there, I mean, there are quite a few rooftop bars around Bangkok. I mean, they're, they're pretty easy to find if you Google around. But I think for me, probably the best one is one called Seen, S-E-E-N. So it's on top of uh, the Avani Riverside Hotel. So it's kind of, it's on the river, but it's over, it's over the other side of the river. And it kind of faces mm. kind of east, northeast. So back facing directly across the city. And so it, it's one of the few places where you can actually see the entire city in one go, basically. And, and you know, if you go there for sunset and just watch as that kind of transitions into night and all the lights of the city come on, I, I don't know, there's something, there's something pretty special about that. And that's, yeah, so that's a view that you kind of never really get tired of. But the second part, I think, is is kind of also an important one. It's, I guess it's not really a view, but, well, I kind of, it kind of is in an abstract way, I suppose. There's not a lot of physical beauty in the city. And, uh, mm. you know, I think that's true to an extent. Obviously, you, you can find it, but it's not always there. But I think, you know, where Bangkok really is kind of unique or, you know, th- there is an incredibly rich human beauty in the city, I think. And I think that's the important distinction. It's not really about the built environment that's beautiful. It's It's really kind of everything that happens in between it. And I think there is, you know, the ability to kind of absorb that aspect of the city is something really incredible. And it's hard because I think it's it's hard to pinpoint one particular like location where you can take that in. But there are certainly, you know, particular parts of the city that are maybe best suited to to taking in that kind of view, again, in the kind of abstract sense. Mm. Yeah, that's a that's a long winded answer, but those yeah, are my two those cool. are my two views. <laughs> but Dane, the most important one in my opinion is your favorite thing to eat, which often people find hard to choose just one. Yeah, if it's only one answer, it's everything. <laughs> because it- <laughs> it's a very clever answer. <laughs> No, we've been foiled. A loophole. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean I think Bangkok. It's, I mean it. It is. 
it should be kind of better known as really a, you know, one of the world's top culinary capitals. I mean, it's an incredible food city. And, and that's, you know, even only talking about Thai cuisine, but, you know, obviously it's, there's a very rich kind of international tapestry of, um, of, of the food that's available in the city. Bearing in mind though that it is the quick fire round, I will, I will yes. follow the rules this time and I'll pick one. And it's kind of the, I guess it's kind of the Thai staple. I mean, if we think of that, that kind of everyday food that is that kind of ultimate comfort food, I think, to, to anyone in, yep. in anywhere in Thailand, but particularly Bangkok. So it's, it's Pad Kapao, which is, it's a fairly simple dish of kind of any meat that you want and you would cook it with chili, garlic, and holy basil is kind of the, the, the key ingredient for the for the fragrance it's super spicy it should be kind of it should be at least quite spicy you know sweet salty like all thai food it's that kind of that that nice kind of balance of particularly those three flavors so if you order that though with more grub which is the, the crispy pork belly which is that kind of just deep fried fatty kind of goodness and then on top of that they'll put a, a fried egg and i think for Thai food, I think just that that kind of humble fried egg is even that is just like a work of yeah. art. It's just like it's just it's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> like I never eat fried yeah. eggs if it's like a you know an English breakfast or something like that. I'm never going to eat fried eggs. Yeah. Like that. But but <laughs> yeah, a Thai I fried egg, pass. I mean it's it's literally I mean it's literally like a deep fried egg. It's incredible. And so you, you know, they'll put the, the egg on top. You break it and all that. That egg will just kind of run through the crispy pork and the pad kapal, and that's pretty good. If I could only kind of live off one dish. In Bangkok, I think that's probably going to be the one. We've said it before, Lucy. We'll say it again. Why do we record this podcast at lunchtimes? It's horrible. No, it's torture. <laughs> anyway, I'm with the quick fire round. That's a great answer. Thanks so much, Dane. So next up is your favorite thing to drink. So it's uh, chamanel, basically, is what it's called. It's lime iced tea. So it's served cold. I would always advise you whenever ordering any drinks in Thailand to tell them to like tone it down on the sweetness because otherwise you'll end up with like 40% sugar syrup, which is fine <laughs> if you like that kind of thing, but it's, it, can, it can be pretty intense. <laughs> good tip, good tip. We also kind of should talk about the nighttime drinks that are, you know, a little bit more fun. Oh yeah. yeah. So I don't know if it's my favorite because it's, it's not always your best friend the next morning if you drink too much of it. <laughs> But it's, uh, so it's called Yadong, which is, you know, again, if you, if you translate it directly, it's literally like fermented medicine, I guess. But it's basically, I mean, it, it's like very, very high proof, you know, rice whiskey that's fermented with all sorts of different kind of medicinal herbs. And that, that can be, that really, it really can be anything. I mean, there's no kind of set, you know, recipes on, on what that needs to be. I mean, really good answers all, all around. <laughs> all of them, excellent answers. We're almost at the end. The penultimate question on the quickfire round is your favorite day activity, Dane? It, yeah, it depends a little bit. It's a, so I think the, the one, I guess, go-to that I always take people when they're visiting Bangkok is, it's called Kokret. So it's just, it's kind of to the north of Bangkok. It's not, too, it's maybe like a 45 minute drive. So basically, you know, running through the middle of Bangkok, you've got the Chao Priya River and that river runs all the way up to, well, and beyond, but up to Ayutthaya, which is the former kind of uh, royal capital of Thailand. And so, you know, traditionally that river was, was a, obviously a, a main transport network. And there's this one section of the river, you know, in between Ayutthaya and Bangkok, where there was like a big bend in the river. And so that they, they basically cut 
a new canal to you know bypass that bend and so what it what it's done is created a little island basically in the middle of the river it's not that little it's quite it's quite big it takes maybe an hour and a half or two hours to walk around but because it is an island i mean there's no bridge connection at all it's this weird little pocket of like rural life that's just kind of in the middle of this just immense urban sprawl and so it's very famous for its pottery and you know you can go there and just kind of walk around and there's there's markets and, and things like that there's you know loads of food to eat it can get a little bit busy on weekends but it's still interesting but it's actually quite nice to go during the week when it's a little bit quieter and you can basically just walk around it i mean it's a, it's a really nice trip to walk around you can rent a bicycle and do it by bicycle if it's a bit quicker you know, you can also charter like little boats and do boat trips kind of around the island and do different stops around there. And then on the island as well is a, a place called Chitbia. And it was one of the first, again, it's been open, you know, quite a few years now, but it was really the first kind of craft brewery in, in well, I guess in, in Thailand, really. Okay. Which, again, is still kind of a nascent scene, but it, it's obviously grown quite a lot. But it kind of opened at a time when it was still not legal to be brewing your own beer in Thailand. But they were just kind of, you know, there's always a little bit of a gap in Thailand between the law and the enforcement of the law, let's put it that way. (laughs) And so they were kind of able to get around that. And it's really chilled out. You know, the beer is pretty good. And it's a nice way to just kind of end the day if you've just done a two-hour walk around the island. And then, you know, across the other side, there's a bunch of great restaurants that are like along the river that, that serve really great food as well. So that, that's, a, that's a really nice day out to kind of get that little touch of rural life, you know, so close to Bangkok. All right. Ooh. I had no idea that that kind of existed so close to Bangkok as well. Nice. Nice. All right. Last one of the quick fire round. Not so quick fire round, but quick fire round all the same. This is bringing it back into the city, probably, I assume. But uh, your favorite museum or gallery? There's a few really good ones around Bangkok. It's, it's actually, again, I think it's kind of, maybe underappreciated mm. as a kind of as an art city and as a creative city again it's quick fire so i'm so i'm kind of only allowed one but it's kind of again it's it's kind of one and a half i guess put it that way <laughs> so i, I mean I, I think like one that's always just good to go to it's, it's the bangkok art and culture center it's like right in the middle of bangkok it's really big i mean the building itself is is quite stunning i mean it's it's clearly kind of taken inspiration from the Guggenheim in the sense it's got that, that it's kind of built around that central kind of atrium space. It's got that, yeah, that swirling kind of ramp around the central atrium. And there's just, there's always kind of something going on or multiple things going on there at the same time. The quality can be a little bit mixed. You know, it's always worth just popping in and kind of seeing what's going on. And because it does rotate quite often, it's it's always nice to just go and, and hang out there. But then I think what, what's also nice is that that is actually a starting point for a really nice like street art walk that you can do. Cool. So, which kind of dates back a few years ago now. So I can't remember the exact years, maybe like 2014 or something. It was some kind of collaboration with European Union or some kind of European Union body where they, they basically held this big street art um, uh, festival basically in Bangkok um, and so brought a whole bunch of European artists to the city and you know got a bunch of Thai artists involved as well and just started creating these installations all around the city and so one of them basically if you start from the art and culture center it's a little bit hard to explain but if you walk north until you get to the canal that's called uh, Klong Sen Sep and then you head west from there basically and you basically yeah you, you're kind of walking along this 
canal and you know that in itself that in itself is kind of an experience because there's a lot of you know very old communities just along that canal it's it's, it's an interesting walk even without the street art yeah. factor but then you know all of the walls basically along that canal obviously started as part of that street art festival but it's been added to over time and then you can walk for maybe a, a kilometer or so or two before you get to Ratchatewi. And just near the BTS station there, there's kind of a, a big kind of vacant plot of land and it's kind of called Graffiti Park, basically. If you if you Google Graffiti Park, you can you can usually find that pretty easily. I've seen this before, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's kind of a nice ending point to that to that walk. So yeah, that's kind of again a nice experience. You can start at the Art and Culture Center, see what's on there, and then and then go for that kind of walk, you know, along behind the clock behind the canal and, and finish at Graffiti Park. So I think it's a pretty nice experience. Awesome. Great. Well, well done on finishing the quickfire round. I think we'll be expanding on some of these with our next yes, questions yes. as well, Dane. <laughs> so I'd like to circle back because we have to talk a bit more about food. Obviously, Bangkok is, as you said, Dane, a very international city, it's international cuisine. It's famous for its street food, but it's also home to lots of Michelin-style restaurants. Yep. What do you recommend as some places that our sort of foodie listeners must visit? Yeah, again, always a hard one um, because... Yeah, it, I mean, there really is something for everyone. I mean, I think that's, it, it's a nice mm. thing with Bangkok is, I mean, you can go and have an amazing meal for like a dollar yeah. or you can go and spend like $500 as well and you can have an amazing meal as well and and kind of anything in between. And and like I said before, there's, there's obviously Thai cuisine, which is, you know, you can spend years just exploring Thai cuisine, but Bangkok has just, it's become kind of increasingly cosmopolitan and, and you, you've got some just incredible mm. food from, from all over the world now. I mean, this could be a whole separate podcast <laughs> and it's a little bit hard to even know where to start. <laughs> you know, as a city, it's, I mean, I, again, I did check just earlier and out of, so for this year, Asia's 50 best restaurants, for example, you know, nine of those are in Bangkok, which... Okay. You know, for you know, for for comparison, Singapore also had nine, but like Hong Kong had five and Tokyo had seven. So, you know, in terms of top restaurants, you're kind of starting to beat out Tokyo. It's it's kind of I guess gives you a sense of the at the at the upper end of the spectrum at that fine dining level, like the the kind of caliber of of experience that you can have in Bangkok. Absolutely, yeah. And you know, obviously, you have got street food and Michelin star, but those things are also not necessarily mutually exclusive, which I think is also quite nice. I was so, going to say this. Yeah. Yeah. So there's, there's one famous one. I think most people would know it because it's been on, it was on a Netflix show a little while ago. It's called J-Fi. And yep. yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it earned a Michelin star and it's, it's literally street food, but I mean, she's a very iconic character. She cooks in these big ski goggles and with a, with a beanie on. And I think it's as, you know, it's as much about her kind of charisma as the food itself. Yeah, I think Bangkok, like it's, it's hard to kind of recommend specific restaurants, but there are definitely like areas that are, that are worth exploring. So I think I mentioned before, like Chinatown, Yawalat, like that's very well known and that's, mm. you know, it's famous. There's a lot of like, you know, food tours and things that will go through that area. And at the end of the day, it, it's with good reason. It's like a street food mecca, basically. So it is worth going there and having a look. But it's, I don't know, for, for, in my opinion, it's probably... A lot of the street food there is it can be a little bit it's a little bit overrated and there are kind of other areas Bantat Tong for example Tapajan Banglampu like again it's kind of it's hard to explain where these areas are necessarily in an audio podcast but yeah if you I mean you can you can take a little bit of a look around I think they're relatively easy to find and and you know they're kind of areas with high concentrations of 
just just really good street food that that you can find. I said before, I mean, I, I think a really important part of Bangkok is that it, you know, again, it, it is very international, and there's there's a lot of great international cuisine to enjoy as well. For Japanese, for example, I mean, there's a huge expat Japanese community in Bangkok, and it's mostly concentrated. In this area, kind of along Sukhumvit Road, but in between Prompong and, and Tonglo, and you've just got you know hundreds of of amazing Japanese restaurants. But you know, if you're looking for uh, omakase, for example, I mean, sushi masato is as good or better than what you would find anywhere in the world. You know, including Tokyo, or you know, Tepen for uh, izakaya is is a really fun experience as well. So yeah, that that Japanese culinary culture is really strong and 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 really really good. You know, for Indian, I mentioned before that the kind of Pahorat Indian quarter. There's lots of Indian kind of everywhere, and there's good places to go everywhere. But that's a bit of a, I guess, a central hub. So there's a few kind of just places you can wander around and find. Middle Eastern, North African. There's a small community that's kind of Sukhumvit Soy Three, I guess. And so it's it's literally called soy Arab. Soy just means alley um, in in Thai, uh, and it's just full of restaurants, Middle Eastern, North African restaurants, and that's that can be quite an experience too. But you, get, you know, amazing Middle Eastern food, and then I don't know something I, somewhere I always like to take people to as well is Otako, a fresh market, and again, I think it has been ranked previously as one of the top fresh markets globally, and it's it, it's not so like it, it's quite clean, I guess, so it doesn't give you that. You know, again, it's not quite that visceral experience you might get in other kind of fresh markets around the city. But if you're just looking for incredibly high quality produce, you know, fruit, vegetables, meat, and then they've also got kind of a food court area that serves you know amazing Thai food as well. That's a really good place to go. Probably in terms of fresh produce, that's it's selling, you know, easily the the, the best in Thailand, probably the best in Southeast wow. Asia. Again, it's kind of interesting what some of those restaurants are doing as well. So I think one super interesting one that's popped up maybe in the last year or two is called uh, Potong, and that that's just a great experience. Partly because of the food, it's like a twenty course degustation, but also because of kind of the story and the history behind it. So it's it's uh, you know it's located in this like five story building that I think was built in you know the early nineteen hundreds and. You know, it it was kind of um, it's a family owned building, and it used to be a Chinese herbal medicine business. And it's basically the building has been restored, but then you know the the I guess the concept for the menu then is this it's it's Thai Chinese cuisine, but then it's kind of influenced by a lot of this kind of herbal medicine, I guess that was I guess pioneered it in that particular business in the past, and then. You know, on the top two levels there, they've got Opium Bar, basically, is the name of it. And it's, it's a really great cocktail bar as well. So you can kind of, you know, work your way up through the, the five levels and, and have a really great experience there. So that's probably another one. Again, if you're looking to, it, it's, not, it's not necessarily the most affordable, but if you're looking to have a, a kind of really interesting experience that, that has a kind of nice story and, and a nice kind of cultural heritage foundation to it that's that's probably one to check out as well thanks for that epic tour of <laughs> foodie tour of bangkok day and that was wow i'm so hungry i'm so hungry <laughs> you can't believe are there any kind of best kept secrets that you can kind of let our listeners into so there are a few i think one thing that's good to know i mean cinemas here are just absolutely mind-blowing and okay. almost an experience in themselves so I mean, if you're looking at, at kind of particularly like the, the kind of higher end shopping malls. So I don't know, Bangkok, is, it's a very shopping mall 
city for, for better or worse. That That is kind of our town square, mm. basically. Um, yeah, some of the higher end ones like Paragon or, or Icon Siam, you know, they have cinemas where, I mean, you're literally in bed with... <laughs> Cool. A mini bar and a kind of butler serving you champagne and and just you know snacks and all sorts what? of incredible wow. stuff. stuff. Mm. Another place I think it's super interesting to check out is uh, if you like reading is the the Nielsen Hayes Library. Again, I, I mean, I keep saying there's not a lot of heritage in Bangkok, and then I keep talking about kind of heritage places. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's kind of one of the I guess is one of the few kind of neoclassical buildings left in Bangkok and it was designed by an Italian guy who's also the same guy who designed the royal throne hall in Bangkok which is this kind of again this this beautiful structure but you know the library itself I'm pretty sure it's privately owned but I mean it's it's publicly accessible and I mean you can get in contact with them but they often I think they they often have maybe on the weekends they do like storytelling sessions for the kids and then, you know, there's 20, 30,000 books or something like that that you can peruse at your leisure. But just the, the building itself is beautiful. There's like a nice garden space as well. So that's a nice little kind of respite of calm and culture, I guess. And, you know, right in the middle of the madness. Awesome. A couple of other ones, super quickly. <laughs> I think, you know, we just think a lot about Bangkok as a, as a kind of city that's on, on a river. And a lot of the emphasis is on the riverside parts of things. I think a lot of people don't really think or don't realize that it is actually a coastal city, so it does actually meet the ocean as well. But that coastal front is is, is really interesting because it's not it's not like a beach. It's not like a hard coast that you would that you would kind of expect, I suppose, in most cities. It's this kind of patchwork of flooded. It's a lot of prawn farms and crab farms and salt farms as well. So it's probably 90% of it is underwater, but then you've just got these like elevated roadways and things like that. But if you go to a place called Ban Kuntian, there's this kind of four kilometer elevated kind of bicycle path that, that kind of is built into the water, but runs along the coast. And so you can hire bicycles from the, the local museum there. I mean, you're just passing all this kind of farmland, basically, this kind of flooded farmland. Um, but then you will pass like communities. There's one called uh, Bansakla, which is, again, it's, it's like a, it's a community. It's probably, you know, three or 400 homes maybe, but they're all built up on stilts over the water. There is a paved road through it, but, you know, it's mostly still kind of people using boats and things like that to get around. So that's a, that's a nice, I guess, experience to see. Uh, again, it does, it yeah. does to be so close to Bangkok and still have that type of yeah. community existing is, is kind of interesting too. Cool. Yeah. Probably, I guess other one just to note super quickly is I think the live music scene in Bangkok, like it's, it's certainly not as well developed as, as maybe, you know, cities in Europe or, or, or the States or something like that, but it can be really fun. I guess three kind of good places to check out. I, I always love taking people to saxophone, which is a, a kind of jazz club that's been around for maybe 40 years or something like that. So it's right near Victory Monument. Again, it's mostly a, a kind of Thai crowd that goes there, but it gets super lively. It's it's a really fun atmosphere. It's mostly like cover bands, but it's but they they're very good musicians, and it's you can have a fun night out there. I'd hear the thirteenth is is always fun. It kind of a bit more at the kind of dive bar end of the spectrum, but it's more a blues kind of a blues bar. It's 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 always a good night out as well. Cool. And maybe for like a more modern kind of cooler, younger kind of vibe, uh, there's a place called Black Cabin. Which is great as well. It's a, it's pretty small, but they get you know some super talented um, musicians, expat and and Thai. A bit a bit of a mix of genres. I mean, anything from 
jazz to kind of soul and uh, and and rock as well. So that's that's a good place to check out. Awesome. I had no idea. So amazing sort of cultural recommendations. Let's quickly touch on uh, some of the present and future Bangkok. A city of contrast, Bangkok is simultaneously ancient and modern, noisy and serene. For every glitzy skyscraper, you'll find a small but well-tended shrine, and for every bustling market, a quiet canal. With DK Witness Top 10 Bangkok, it's yours to explore. Find it in all good bookstores or via the link in our episode bio. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. So Dane, we're going to wrap up just with the last couple of questions. So firstly, when is the best time, whether that's a month or a season for listeners to visit Bangkok? Yeah, so I think Bangkok, I mean, it's always going to be hot and then sometimes it'll be wet. (laughs) And that's about the kind of extent of the seasonality. I mean, absolute best time, probably December, because it does get a little bit cooler and it's just a little bit more bearable to be outside. April, May is like brutally hot like just yeah it's it's kind of unpleasant to be outside for too long um and then it typically rains a lot in september october but as i kind of said before it's it's not really like an outdoor kind of city so you you typically will spend a lot of time inside and it it doesn't make a huge amount of difference i think one thing's worth flagging like the last few years there's been a bit of a i guess growing issue with air pollution particularly in like the january to april period and so, you know, probably if you're coming with kids in particular or, or maybe elderly or, or just anyone with respiratory problems, that's, that's probably not the best time. Noted. That's really good advice. And are there any sort of particular events to mark in the calendar coming up? I mean, I think one thing that's probably if you had to pick one, I mean, I would always say people should come and experience Songkran at least once, which is Thai New Year. Yeah. So it's a three-day festival, 13th to the 15th of April. So I just said, you know, 30 seconds ago, it's a, it's a brutally, brutally hot time of the year, which means, though, that having a kind of water festival right in the middle of that time is, it works oh, really makes well. Sense. So, I mean, the whole country just descends into this giant three-day kind of drunken water fight, and it's just absolute madness and chaotic and heaps of fun, basically. So particularly in Bangkok, you'll kind of have three areas, basically like Silom, Kaosan, Chokchaisi, and a, a couple of others, but they're kind of the big hubs. And you'll have, you know, people riding around on the back of pickup trucks with just huge buckets of water. And, you know, the pickup truck will drive around and just throwing water at people. And it's, <laughs> it's, it's mayhem, but it's a good experience. It's worth kind of 
being here yeah. for that. Sounds amazing. And finally, Dane, so in this season, we are particularly thinking about how travel can benefit the local community. So the people of Bangkok in this instance, what are the best ways to support the locals when listeners visit Bangkok? I think there's a few ways and it's, you know, I don't know if there's anything that's kind of distinct to Bangkok that maybe, you know, isn't good advice anywhere else. Um, I mean, I think I have heard someone mention on your show previously to kind of, you know, avoid Airbnbs where possible. And I, mm. I probably would echo that um, just because, you know, the hotel and hospitality industry in, in Bangkok, it's such a big employer of Thai people. And it's it's actually one of, you know, it's obviously not the only, but it's one of the few careers that does actually offer people pretty good social mobility. And, you know, coming out of what's been a pretty rough couple of years with with COVID, I think, it, yeah. you know, it, it is good to to support that industry where we can. Mm. And, you know, I, I think a lot of people think of Bangkok as a very affordable city. And it obviously is if you're earning pounds or euros and, and traveling here, but it's it's actually not a very, you know, there's there are significant inequality problems and, you know, it's not necessarily an affordable city if, if you're, you know, living here earning a kind of minimum wage. And so just that housing affordability issue is, you know, it's the same here with Airbnb as it, as it is elsewhere. So that's that's certainly one thing. One thing I would say, I mean, plastic pollution is a massive, massive problem here, and people are still kind of hopelessly yeah. addicted to to single use plastic. Like I've had arguments with street food vendors where they were just adamant, like you must take this plastic bag because the food is hot and you'll you'll burn yourself otherwise. <laughs> and it's yeah, that kind of awareness, I think, of the problem is it's growing, but it's it's still not as widespread as it needs to be. Mm. So do be conscious of that. You know, you can refuse the bag or, or kind of hand it back. And I think that's always a sensible thing to do. I mentioned before, air quality is a big problem January to April. And it's, it's a, to be honest, it's a little bit unclear what the, the root cause of that is, but it seems that at least a big part of it is, is agricultural burning. And a lot of that is kind of linked to food conglomerates that control a lot of that. Uh, the, the farming industry, basically. So, you know, another thing maybe to be conscious of is just to look for restaurants, F&B outlets where you can that are, you know, I guess more responsible in their food sourcing mm -hmm. that are that are kind of sourcing locally, growing locally where they can. It'll help a little bit. And, you know, I think as anywhere, you know, just spread the money, you know, as, as far and wide as you can. Get get out there, get out of the center, you know, go to kind of offbeat places and, and eat at you know local restaurants and 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 support those those local businesses as much as you can. You know it's the Bangkok economy and the Thailand economy generally is is so heavily reliant on tourism. And yeah, the last mm. three years, have, you know, a lot of people are still doing it really tough, particularly out of those those central kind of areas. Um, so yeah, I think any support that they they can get is is going to be appreciated that's really good advice i mean you say it's like little things but those little things add up to a lot so absolutely i think that's a really really good note to end on but um thanks so much dane you've painted such a wonderful picture of a city that i thought i knew about and i didn't know that much about at all <laughs> yeah there have been some surprises like i had no idea about coffee culture or cinema culture but at the same time dane a lot of what you've said Yes, that's my impression of Bangkok, that kind of frenetic energy. So thank you so it's much. It's been a, an excellent episode. Thank you so much, Dane. You're welcome. It's been a pleasure. Huge, 
huge thank you to Dane for a wonderful tour of Bangkok. I really do, honestly, it really added up with my understanding from Poppy Dane's descriptions. And I I feel it's whetted my appetite. I will make it there eventually. But for now, I feel like I've had a good taste of it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We've travelled vicariously through (laughs) Bangkok today. Yeah, so comprehensive. So so well researched. Thank you so much, Dane. We hope you've enjoyed that just as much as we have, listeners. And next time around, listener, we've got a real treat for you, actually. So we've got another sort of team episode. We are going to be looking exclusively at some of the best destinations to visit in winter 2023. So Mm. we will be joined by some of our lovely editors. We've also got Dan Stables coming back to the pod as well. Wonderful Dan. I don't know if you remember his Manchester episode, but he is over here talking about lots of European destinations and where to go this winter. Uh, We're really excited about that one. It'll be a great one to join us for. So we will see you then in a fortnight's time. And it's goodbye from me. And goodbye from me. And we shall see you very soon. Where to Go is a podcast from DK Witness. It was produced by Julia Baker, presented by Lucy Richards and James Atkinson with the help of Bella Talbot. For more information about DK Witness, follow us on social media at DK Witness or visit dk.com forward slash eyewitness. And please like and follow the show. And if you have time, leave a review. Your support means so much to us. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.